Welcome to London Living, a podcast about the issues that we face as modern Londoners. On today's episode, uh, we're joined by Penny, who we've invited to come and speak about her experiences of combating inequality. Penny, thank you so much for being um, with us here today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, how long have you been in London? Uh, what do you do for work? That sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I moved to London about eight years ago for university, got sucked in by the big city and just never left. <laughs> so I'm still here, still finding new bits of London, um, which is fun. Uh, so a bit about me, I like all the kind of different um, variety and vibes of London. Mm. I really enjoy both the like, I've lived in, um, in Hoxton near Shoreditch for a while, but equally I'm very happy going to Hampstead Heath and finding the biggest bit of like thing that looks like countryside yeah. you can yeah. i also discovered there's a little farm near where i live now with goats so that's <laughs> in the sense like in yeah central. well over out east okay um okay. i could hear this like bleating this morning i was on a run and i was like what is that there was some not, goats not normal for london <laughs> <laughs> not at all. um penny, the, the issue we want to kind of talk about uh, on today's episode is this idea of uh, combating fighting inequality um obviously that's an issue that's been huge for, for for a long long time but i get the sense that people are more and more aware of of the problem these days um more so in some ways than ever of uh, structural injustices uh, systematic inequality and I, I get the sense that people um really want to make a difference uh, they want to use their lives to to change things uh, but it's often just not clear how on earth do we do that the issues seem so big um uh, and so deeply rooted how can we be useful so we, we'd love to get you on to sort of uh, chat up through some of those things today um, but let's start though uh, I know that you're someone who's really passionate about combating inequality both in your free time um, volunteering but also in your professional life pursuing that uh, but I'd love to, to sort of rewind to begin with and, and think uh, how did this all start for you how did you come to care about kind of combating inequality yeah, that's a great question. I think a really honest reflection on the way lots of us feel about mm. these issues quite a lot of the time. So I think for me, it's always been quite a like strong and um, sort of like theme or drumbeat of my life. I think I remember being younger and when I was at school, we'd have people come in and talk about all kinds of different issues that were going on in the world. I remember we had someone come in to talk to us about like human rights and they had these like different picture cards with I mean I was in like infant school at this point mm. <laughs> just to, to clarify before it's I give you this example <laughs> yeah not A level at that point um, and they had these like picture cards of different conflicts that were happening to children around the world and it just like, like blew my mind because there I was I grew up in suburban Hampshire sitting in my like year two classroom and I was like what on earth is happening there were children who like same age as me same age as the kind of all the other little children sitting around me on the carpet and yet those kids are having bombs go off mm. near them and they are having their families ripped apart and you can have this person come in and talk about human rights you know like, but but that's not the reality of what's happening for them so it's partly a, like an emotional motivator where you're just like how how do we deal with that mm. and how do we think about that and continue to live our lives but also it was and there's something kind of intellectual about it where those things that people face, they come from a place. They weren't just like people 
like they have history like conflicts have history and inequalities in the world have history and looking at those I thought was just kind of interesting and fascinating as a as someone who's just interested in the world so I think it's kind of both of those things yeah um for me it's kind of started the interest that's really interesting. It, was, it started really young for you and not being able to so for lots of us we'd see or hear of those inequalities and then we're quite easily we can switch them off <laughs> um but it sounds like for you, you it's harder for you to do that you, you that compassion is right there for you mm. and um i'm right thinking you had a gap here was that was that an important part of the journey for you and wanting to fight inequality yeah so it was kind of more of a gap summer i think okay, we okay. can call it that okay. um between my second and third years of university and so I um, went to India with Tear Fund uh, to do some work there with an organisation. And so it was only for like a short period of time. One of the things I did with the campaigns advocacy team that I was working with is they would go out to local community groups kind of around the city. And one of them kind of really sticks with me was under this flyover. And it was a women's group. And that was basically just where they were living was under this flyover with kind of... Um, sort of quite makeshift shelters under there and each side of the flyover was like lanes of traffic just like coming back and forth and kind of all the um, pictures you see of roads in India and how intense they are it's absolutely yeah. true right. <laughs> we yeah. were sitting in the middle of that uh, with kind of just children running around and so it was quite a, quite a chaotic picture I think on what the people who were working for the project were doing what we were supporting them to do or working with them to do was they were talking to the local people their the local women and asking them about their situations what life was like for them and what were the kind of big blockers and issues that they were facing what were the problems and where did the problems come from um which is just really critical a to like actually ask people what they think but also in terms of they were then gathering that evidence both from that group but from groups around the city as well of like what were the the driving forces behind why people were ended up living in those situations and I think you can't answer all of those questions or they couldn't answer all of those questions but they were doing that so they could then take that evidence and assimilate it into kind of reports and policy recommendations that they were then using yeah. to advocate to government the local government there and for me that was a bit of a like eureka moment I'd never seen anything like that before you know I think was, you'd seen kind of campaigning in the UK but I'd never really thought that it could kind of make a difference or could actually take the voices of and views and opinions of people who for whom that was their lived experience and then make change and for me I was like oh okay so actually the reason that people are forced to live in poverty or experience abuse and injustice is in a large part driven by the kind of the big structures and policies and norms that we and history to quite a large extent that still exists in the world it's not just kind of random there is structural inequality yeah. that puts people in those places so and and for me then I was kind of like okay so irrespective broadly of your politics or what you think of government we can have a relatively like straightforward assessment that government should exist to make people's lives better and if government exists to make people's lives better and has all this power, both in terms of actual financial resources and policies and the kind of norms that governments set for kind of society and how we live and culture and all those sorts of things, then by seeking to influence that 
you can start to influence and unpick some of those structures of inequality that trap people in cycles of poverty. Yeah. yeah. And so that was a kind of a quite an eye-opening moment. Yeah. For me so then. there's the there's the, uh, the addressing the symptoms, mm. but also the kind of root causes behind that. And yeah. And for you, that gap was a, a, or that, that moment was important in seeing that it's possible to bring those two together. Um, but so, so okay, so you got this passion then, um, seeing that it's possible, really wanting to make a difference. How do you then, in your life, what does that look like? How do you act on that desire to fight inequality? So what I do now, and kind of had a couple of different jobs in it, is public affairs. So that is it, essentially that kind of influencing where... Um, although I don't do it kind of from root and branch, people will go and do research and find out what those blockers are, make policy recommendations. And then what I do with that is I take that research and policy and turn it into something that's uh, politically salient and hopefully politically palatable so that those in power and decision makers in government will do what we're asking them to do um, and make uh, use their um, power and influence to make lives better for people. I also, so there's that, that's kind of, my work um i do similar things working on areas to tackle sexual harassment of women in public spaces and i also do some work with an organization um called tamar who um try and befriend and support um people who might be at risk of trafficking uh here in london which is actually a very different kind of work that's much more sort of uh, going out and meeting people and kind of befriending them so that that is a much more kind of frontline piece, and I, yeah. I think it's it's not to say that just because I I think that tackling structures and inequality isn't really important, I also think there's a real space for yeah. let's be on the front line and yeah. let's actually kind of use our time and practice what we preach yes. and not just kind of sit behind a computer, but yeah. kind of be out there. Um, and for, and and for most people, I imagine, so some people like you're able to give their lives professionally to it, but for lots of other people, that would be would be a matter of volunteering that that sort of mm-hmm. thing, but sort of fighting injustice then that almost sounds quite glamorous um but what's what's the reality of that like day to day as someone who really cares about these things probably there are some glamorous moments of it but most of it is not as glamorous as you'd think it would be i think on a a kind of more practical level i think it's true to say that actually not all of these things change very quickly Mm -hmm. um and change takes a really 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 long time to happen and being okay with the fact that discouragements don't mean you're doing a bad job or that you're not doing it right. Discouragements just mean that these are really difficult issues. And frankly, if it was easy, we would have already fixed it. Yeah. And the reason it's hard is because ultimately you're pushing against the grain of the way that the world currently is. And that's inevitably hard mm-hmm. and inevitably... Um, means that it can sometimes take quite a lot to keep going yeah that's really interesting i I think one of the things that puts people off is the fact that it seems how how could i change things or when would how's that possible given how difficult it would be so given that it's just everywhere why do you think that is what do you as someone who's experienced professionally and in your free time tries to combat this stuff where do you think this comes from why is it everywhere (laughs) yeah really good question and I I think there will probably be a few answers to that but I think perhaps the most pertinent is that it's it's everywhere because ultimately people and relationships are everywhere actually I think this kind of pervasiveness 
of injustice and inequality is down to the way we relate to one another or don't relate to one another very well at all. And sometimes we like to think that if you could just like create the right policies or the right laws or the right tax systems or whatever it might be that you can start to fix these problems and that actually these problems are just because we have bad policy. And I would humbly suggest that's probably not the case. Like as much as my job or what I spend a lot of my time doing and thinking about is how we can influence policy, I think you can have better and and worse policies and ones that protect vulnerable people and ones that don't. I also don't think there's ever a point at which there can be enough good policy and enough like great politicians or great leaders or enough global financing to fix the problems that we see because they're both on this big scale and also on the small scale between individuals. So there's a bigger problem, right? I think that's what trying to tackle injustice shows you is that you you go in because you care about these issues and then and then you look at them and you're like, actually, we don't have... The, there's a big problem here and the problem is in people's hearts and it's, in, it's within us um, and within the way we interact with each other on a big and a little scale. Uh, and I think maybe that's not a full answer, but I think that's yeah. definitely a kind of partial answer. No, that's, that's really interesting. And, and, and that's both for the, the kind of uh, local symptoms, manifestations, but also then the deeper structural stuff. It all comes down at the end of the day to people mm. <laughs> and, and that we are people as well. And therefore there are, there are, there are ways at different levels of the scale. But um, those problems are in... Is that what you're saying? Those problems are in each person's heart? Yeah, I think so. And I think they're just manifested differently either based on individuals or based on the opportunities given to individuals to yeah, yeah. take those and that's that's really interesting i mean you mentioned that it feels like there's people are caring more about this stuff at the moment mm. more aware of it than ever how do you see the world around engaging with this issue yeah i think people are really outraged i think that's been definitely a reflection for me over the last couple of years is that increasing sense from just the world around me or people around me that this isn't okay that it's not okay the kinds of injustice people face and experience and that we don't want it to be that way and I think one of the things that's really interesting about this whole kind of area and topic is that it's not a neutral area or topic it's not just this is this way and this is that way these are like deeply emotional and emotive conversations so I think therefore what I've seen recently happening and particularly as I've talked to people about these issues more and more as they're becoming kind of more prevalent in the media and other areas is that people are kind of constructing a narrative and a worldview around them to give them a kind of framework to engage with this injustice and often and I'm sorry if I'm oversimplifying but often as far as I see it it's that people can create a narrative of kind of us versus them it's like here are the bad guys and ultimately the kind of injustice is caused by the bad guys who perpetrate injustice on others and we the good guys don't and don't want any part in what those the bad guys are doing and it becomes this very like binary narrative of kind of us versus them kind of thing and a I think there's kind of two issues with that the first is that I'm not sure that it's necessarily true. I think kind of from what I've, or what we've spoken about already, that there's, it's actually, it's a very complicated picture. 
picture of what goes on and how these injustices are a able to spring up and b pervade and kind of cycle past generations and generations and so we kind of have a world where there are these deep injustices that are hard to a get purchased on and b just like deconstruct but i think the other thing that's an issue is with that is that it then creates this real sense of tribalism there's just such a kind of us versus them culture and attitude and i think it'd be fair to say that we see that play out on twitter and other social media in a and particularly twitter in a really kind of obvious way but i I think in more kind of subtle and pervasive ways in just general interactions with people that we deem to be the bad people either people that we see and know or or kind of the abstract bad guys who are causing all of this problem somewhere so i think there's that and actually if your worldview is a kind of us versus them we're good and they're bad view then i'm not sure that it enable like i don't think it will bear the fruit that we want it to bear because i think it just breeds more kind of grisly attitudes to one another and just creates a different kinds of injustice and marginalization and i'm not sure it creates the change that we want it to that's really that's really interesting that that we need everyone needs a big story to be able to stand up and to fight this stuff given the discouragements there are i suppose involved in that but what story you think you're a part of actually really matters therefore if you're going to fight this stuff and i think i think it's a really perceptive comment that often that story that we see is the us versus them and that makes things worse or can or at least is in danger of that that's really interesting i mean for you as a a, a Christian, therefore, how how does your faith help you engage with this issue? My faith in Jesus has an impact on that because it because I think it gives me a completely different worldview to that. So yeah, I think it impacts the way I conceptualise the problem um, because I think that it's there's not that quite such a clear dichotomy there because because all of us are guilty in all of our different ways aren't we like it's not just about those people out there causing injustice some of that's on me and i think having faith in jesus means that you can say that's why no policies can fix this problem is because there's a bigger problem and and ultimately the answer to that won't be found in in a legislature in parliament as much as uh, we might want to create better laws like that's that's not the problem the problem is in our hearts and so partly that I think the other thing is that while it changes your meta narrative the kind of the narrative around the us and them it also changes the the perspective with which you look at these things so taking creating change can seem really like long and hard but I take a worldview of where um where Jesus is in control of that and so even though it can take a really long time and feel often grueling and and thankless i know that there is justice to come and that there is a a good god in control of all of those things that even when i feel sometimes a bit futile that's not the case so partly it takes the pressure off which is liberating although i don't think that's the kind of only reason for it i think what it really gives you is hope because actually if i was to do my job and to look at the kind of bigness and <laughs> want a better expression of the injustice that people face and and all the different ways in which 
they face it and the kind of the myriad of issues that affect people's lives. And, and I realized that the tools that are given to us, the different laws and things to try and fix those just can't do it. I don't, well, I mean, we've been trying it for, for decades, uh, but it doesn't change. And so, so if you don't have a hope for a future and a hope for real and true justice, then, <laughs> then we're just going to keep making laws that kind of are chipping away or at the problem or just sort of rearranging the deck chairs and the deck of the Titanic. And it's not to say that trying to f- make those changes isn't important. And I never want to belittle that, but it, but it gives you a, a hope and a solidity that it's not going to be this way forever. Like this isn't, I, I don't think that this is all there is. And so I don't think it leads you to not despair of your own inability to, and not just my inability, but ours collectively as people who want to create change. It means that we don't despair of the fact that that we can't fix the problem. It's not within our gift to do that through our own like changes in behaviour to like buy more ethically or sustainably or to vote for politicians that would act better all those things are good things they're just not the whole solution and so what would you say to someone then um what would you say to others that are in that situation they feel these things strongly they want to make a difference but they just don't know how what might you say to someone in that situation yeah i think there's a few like quite practical things although i think probably the first thing i would say and we've talked about this a lot is about your worldview and how you approach the world I think I would the first thing I would say is just to give an invite to people to to think about what their worldview is what kind of story or framework is it that you slot your understanding of the world into and does that what does that look like for you what does that mean just maybe think about that it's not something that we we often do but I think in this kind of question of injustice and how we both conceptualize injustice how we think about people and how we approach that it's a really important question and so I would encourage people to do that I think kind of really really practically I guess the thing people often say to me when talking about these issues is I I don't know where to start I don't have any power and nothing ever seems to change. And those are things that I absolutely hear <laughs> and get why that can feel really um, tricky and frustrating. I guess what I would say to that is the kind of next really practical thing is to think about what do you care about? So what is it that, you're, that you really care about and are really passionate about and want to see change and what really bothers you? Um, and pretty much on every issue that you or any issue you could possibly think of, there's probably an organisation already working on that issue. So my advice would be to find them. Um, and they might have some advice and tips on how to engage with whatever that particular thing is, whether it's kind of writing to government, writing to your MP, or it might be something completely different, like how you shop or don't shop. You know, they will there will be advice out there and is advice out there. Yeah, Penny, thank you so much. I as, as someone who can see and care about these things one moment and then find it easy just to distance myself from them in other moments i think you're 
your story, your example is uh, challenging and inspiring um, in, 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 in just the right way. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for sharing as well for you how the big story that you think you're a part of in the Christian faith makes a difference to all of that, the importance of thinking at that level as well as we come to face these issues day to day. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your time. Oh, thanks um, for having me. It's been really, it's been really helpful. Thank you for listening to this episode of London Living. This podcast is put together by Christchurch Mayfair um, and it's produced to provoke discussion about some of the challenges we face as Londoners living uh, in 2021. We're running an event on the 1st of July where we'll be exploring a bit more the connection between faith and injustice, uh, particularly historical racial injustice as we think through the roots of jazz music. Why not speak to the friend who shared this podcast with you uh, or find out more by going to christchurchmayfair.org forward slash London Living.